This is Open University, and I hope you are listening. We're your hosts, I'm Ed Grosvenor. I'm Matthew Wood. We're the Ginger Twins. G&T. And we've studied apologetics for some time, and we want to share it with you. So grab yourself a slice of lime, and let's stave off some intellectual scurvy with a loud blast of reason. <laughs> Episode 3. Well, done premise 1. Everything that begins to exist has a cause. And now we're on premise 2. The universe began to exist. So, surprisingly... Everyone who's just heard that will be like, well, yeah, uh, yeah, you want to move on. You're like, well, yeah, the universe began to exist. We all know this. Well, a long time ago, more or less everybody thought the universe was eternal in the past. Which, of course, implies it has no start. Most notably would be uh, Bertrand Russell, famous atheist, who said... The universe is just there, and that's all. He said it was a brute fact, and that means it's inexplicable, with no explanation for it, and that it doesn't need one. Yes, yeah, so it's something that we're just supposed to explain without a cause. And that was, you know, the first episode that violates the first premise, and it's actually demonstrably false. Speaking of which, a few times I might have said the word demonstrably false, and this needs to be explained. You don't know what that means. Or if you do, good on you, many won't. Okay, so... We're going to get Ed just now, just to explain. What do I mean when I'm saying demonstrably? Please, Ed, explain this to us. Okay, Matthew, let me edify and educate you. The full definition of demonstrable is capable of being demonstrated or that it's apparent or that it's evident. Okay, where where'd you get that music from? I've had it on tap. Yeah, because it just came out of nowhere. Like, literally descended out of the clouds. It was really weird. Yeah, well, the thing is... It was when awkward. I, when I get involved... It was awkward. The voice it? was awkward. I... Well, I mean, British gent, if you're going to explain English language, you need to be English. Overtly sexual. Well, okay. You reckon? Is it? <laughs> yeah, it might be, yeah. Oh, maybe maybe we should put a disclaimer on it. <laughs> <laughs> this is a 15. <laughs> okay, there are a good number of philosophical reasons why um, it can't be true that the universe is eternal in the past. And then after that, we're going to get onto the empirical evidence of why that's the case. To start with, though, let me just give you an example. Imagine a hotel. We'll call it the Hilberts Hotel, mainly because that's the name of the man who actually came up with it. So, <laughs> so he only did it with a favour. So, um, yeah, Hilberts Hotel. This is a hotel that has an infinite number of rooms. Okay, it's an infinite number of rooms in this hotel. And one day, it gets full. An infinite number of people sign in. And then one more person comes in and says, I would like to rent a room here, please. Now, of course, an infinite number of people came in before and it has an infinite number of rooms and there's still a space because it's infinite. So another person comes in after the initial infinite and says, I would like to rent a room, please. And he says, yeah, of course, and moves the person in room one to room two, the person in room two to room three and so on and so forth, shifting everybody up one step. Now, there's actually the same amount of people that were in there before as there was before the man showed up. So now say... He, go, he says, oh, you know what, um, uh, some people are just like, I'm sick of this hotel, it's rammed. So, um, yeah, I mean, it would be mental. So, uh, so like... I wouldn't stay there. No. Imagine the wait for that breakfast. Imagine the... Imagine if it looks like a travel lodge. That'd be a nightmare. Yeah, it would be horrendous. Yeah, yeah, a living nightmare. It's not even worth thinking about. Yeah. <laughs> so, imagine um, everybody in the even rooms, so two, four, six, eight, and so on, through to infinity, say, yeah, we're going to leave. Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, I, I can't take it. Everyone from everyone from uh, even rooms are doing one. They they make a union and revolt leave. They all leave now. There's still the same amount of people in that place because they're 
they're all still there. In fact, it's still full of people because it has an infinite number of people and the fact that only the odd numbers are assumed makes no difference. So to accommodate all of the odd people, all the even rooms would be immediately full uh, again and the people would still be there despite having left. So I, I can keep making silly examples like this. This is the problem with the Hilbert Hotel. It's, um, it's the difference between theoretical infinity and actual infinity is actual infinity is absurd uh, bear in mind if you're an atheist or, or if you're somebody who believes that the universe is eternal in the past that is what you're talking about we're talking about real space time being really filled with actual time and events so that's why the hotel works like rooms and people going into them would be events happening in time and space this is the the practical impossibility of such a view the joke for this hotel is that it's got a sign outside that says hilbert hotel no vacancies Guest welcome. Brilliant. <laughs> right, Ed, take it away from here, Ed. I reckon, uh, I think it's time to sit down in front of some hard science. Give us now. Come on. What's the first one? What's the first big one? What are we talking about? Oh, right. Okay. So we're talking about the first evidence, are we? Okay. So the first evidence is that the universe cannot have been eternal in the past. All right. Now we're going to go into the second law of thermodynamics for this. Now, this is where I might have to spend some time and Ed's plane. The second law of thermodynamics states that the state of entropy of the universe in an isolated system will always increase over time. Wait, wait, wait. Entropy, Ed? No, you can't. Like, okay. I mean, it's nice that you're doing the explanation, but, you know, entropy, man? A thermodynamic quantity representing the unavailability of a system's thermal energy for conversion into mechanical work, often interpreted as the degree of disorder or randomness in the system. Basically, it means a lack of order or predictability. So a, a gradual decline into disorder. So the lack of availability of energy over time. Yeah. So are we going to talk about, because that's the second time that weird music, and I'm, I don't, it cut me off. You seem to have like just instant command of this irritating tune that keeps cutting me out of the, the, the conversation. What? Well, my boss at work calls me the Ginger Shakespeare. And, you know, with that yeah. title comes a certain amount of prestige. Ginger Shakespeare, is it? Hey, Ginger Shakespeare, yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Just going to bash, bash up my Jacobean roof every now and then <laughs> and uh, give you a little bit of teaching. You know, it's, it's hard being as refined as one is, um, you know, snifters of brandy, all of that. It, it becomes, a, it becomes a drug. It's a drug. Okay, so basically the limited amount of energy in the system, yeah? Yeah. Okay, right. So the problem with this is that if you have a finite amount of energy, but an infinite amount of time behind you, then we would have run out by now. If I have a finite amount of money in my pocket and someone says, no, you have an infinite number of expenditures, that would be impossible. I would have run out by now. So think of it that way. If there's a universe and someone claims it's infinite in the past, but we know the energy in it is finite, as in it's limited in value, then we would have run out by now. That's how we know the universe is not eternal in the past. That's one. Second one we've got, the theory of relativity. Go look this up yourself. We were going to explain it on here, but that's going to be really boring for you to listen to. Go on the internet, have a look. Albert Einstein's theory of relativity. But more importantly, this got coupled with a man called Alexander Friedman and George Lemaire. The Maitre. He's French, isn't he? No, he's a mayor. Oh, he's a mayor, is he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah he's, 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 he's a right mayor. <laughs> yeah. George Lemaitre, he led to the discovery, they led to the discovery that the universe is expanding. This theory was later confirmed by Edwin Hubble, who measured the red shift from distant galaxies. Now, 
Redshift? Ed, have you got any? Do we need, I need to explain that, do I? I think that's going to be explained. So, Redshift. The displacement of spectral lines towards longer wavelengths, or the red end of the spectrum. In radiation from distant galaxies and celestial objects, this is interpreted as a Doppler shift, which is proportional to the velocity of recession, and thus to distance. It, like... You know, no, forget it. You know, I'm just, just going to have to live with it. I okay, just, right, like, well, anyway, this is a gift of the spirit or something. Like you've somehow managed to summon. I just like that's n- there's nowhere, nowhere does it say that you can have healing, prophecy, and some irritating music that comes. Why up. you've got to stop calling it irritating? What it is? Oh, it's not irritating. Is a gift from God. It, is it? Yeah. So, so you, old, every time someone bangs out some tongues, you start going, "Well, that's irritating, do you? <laughs> you want to sort yourself out? So what are you going to do? <laughs> so your your way to shut this down is to make me look like I'm, bang, I'm bashing I'm, I'm bashing down all the spiritual gifts because you've got the worst. I the heard. Wor- I heard you said Pentecost didn't happen. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> that's outrageous. <laughs> I've never said that, Church. <laughs> that happened. It's in the good book, right? So, um, <laughs> all right. So. Sorry, just to summarise, redshift, when something assesses your body like a planet, moves further away, the wavelengths get longer and they become red, is essentially the way it looks. So, this second line of evidence then, if you understand that George Lemaitre and um, Alexander Freidman theorised that the universe would be expanding and then it was empirically proved by Edwin Hubble via this redshift, this red light, which shows the light of distant galaxies, the fact that they're getting further away and the amount of time it takes for the light to get to us is getting longer, that means... The universe is expanding. Now, if we know that the universe is expanding and growing further away, it follows that that means it must have come from a finite point in the past. It needs to have had a start, which it expanded out from. So, finite, is it? Finite. So, if something is infinite, you would have heard it said as infinite. It's relentless. This is relentless. Infinite. You'll have heard it said as infinite. Uh, this means that there is neither beginning nor end. If something is finite, then it is demonstrable that there is both a beginning and potentially an end. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. I'm getting so, a bit drained. Yeah. It's hard work turning it on like that. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we know the universe sprang into the beginning from a finite point in the past. So this has been so well established that there's here is a quote from J.M. Wersinger, who's the Associate Professor of Physics at Auburn University. He says, At first, the scientific community was very reluctant to accept the idea of a birth of the universe. Not only did the Big Bang model seem to give in to the Judeo-Christian idea of a beginning of a world, but it also seemed to have to call for an act of supernatural creation. He continues and says it took time, observational evidence, careful verification of predictions made by the Big Bang model to convince the scientific community to accept the idea of a cosmic genesis. The Big Bang is a very successful model that imposed itself on a reluctant scientific community. So I, just before we go on, I think what we need to do here is just um, talk about what we, we mentioned earlier, what we were uh, talking about as an illustration. We've said well, you've said Big Bang there a lot, and this can sometimes give a bit of a misconception about the whole uh, theory as it stands. It's not so much a Big Bang, like a loud noise that then produced all this mess of stuff. It was uh, more of big expansion. So imagine uh, an uninflated balloon with buttons placed upon it. Those buttons would be, you know, celestial bodies, galaxies, things like that. As you blow the balloon up, they become further and further apart. That's the general idea of it. It's not like, there's things. 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point actually. Yeah, it is. Um, especially by the media, they portray it as this enormous explosion. And um, while there was a singularity, it's a singularity that rapidly expanded. Another three scientists whose last name are Bord, Guth, and Valenkin, they came up with a theory. This is very recent, um, and they said that any universe. So this is any universe, including a multiverse, any universe whatsoever that can be conceived that has, in its lifetime, expanded along a time time frame, so in a world line, it cannot be infinite in the past. It must have had an absolute beginning in the finite past. To summarise, the most recent discovery is that any universe that shows expansion, that would be the one we're in, any universe so far that we know of has to expand in order to survive, otherwise they crush themselves, has to have had a finite point in the past. So as far as we can know scientifically, any viable universe that we have with the best going physics, cosmology and cosmogony must be an expanding universe finite from the past. Right, so this is quite important because quite, you know, if you get, I, I hate to lump atheists together, but if you get an informed atheist, they might say, ah, oh, well, you know, that doesn't necessarily have to be the case because there is some credence to the idea of a multiverse vis-a-vis multiple universes existing upon a singular timeline. We won't go into that because that's quite that's pretty in depth. Um, but what you, this gives you a good point to say: well, even if there is a multiverse, they still have to have come from a singularity at a point in the finite past, as opposed to the infinite. Um, even though they had to invent mathematics for a multiverse, so it's just as metaphysical as a god, except ours, you know, makes sense. That's the thing. Yeah, actually, you've touched on something very interesting there. That's the other thing: people um, use a multiverse as an explanation for the origin of our universe. The problem is is that when I say God has made the universe, people will say, oh, that's silly. Because the idea is that that's metaphysical. And no, Ed, that, what that means... Oh, what, I can feel the music. No, no, no. That, what that means is beyond physics. That's what it literally means. You've got physics, the hard world, metaphysics, after physics, beyond physics. That's all it means. So they say, no, 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 you can't posit God as, a, a, as something that created a universe. That's beyond our physical known. But then what they say is, oh, it came from a multiverse, which, bear in mind, is outside of the realms of testable science, so is also a metaphysical guess. So any known physical universe that can exist, so anything we can talk about with any meaningful science, must have had an expansion in order to survive, and that means it had to come from a singularity. So you still don't evade the problem of something that had to begin to exist. In fact, of the three scientists who came up with the theorem, aboard Guth and Vilenkum, Alexander Vilenkin said, quote, Scientists can no longer hide behind a past eternal universe. There is no escape. They have to face the problem of a cosmic beginning. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on. Yeah. What do you mean they can't hide? But what if they feel that the past eternal oh, universe right. is legit? Yeah. I'm getting triggered. triggered Why can they not have their safe space? Triggered. Really hard being triggered all the time. And I'm not kidding. It's all the time for me at this point. I get dressed in the morning. I'm triggered. I take a shower. I'm triggered. I get in the car. I'm triggered. Hang on, is that is that me again? Yeah, well, Why yeah. do I constantly get characterised as this, this hateful woman? If you're gonna keep doing it, I'm gonna keep playing the clip, mate. That's the well, point. no, the thing. Well, when I'm saying it, it's a bit, you know, it's funny and it's relevant. When she does it, she's being real. Don't acquaint yeah, me with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, no, you're the same thing. It's a false equivalent. It's, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Um, so okay, the main problem then with this, all this said, with the second premise, the universe began to exist, is that this is philosophically hard to dodge because anything else would be infinite and as explained actual infinite is 
impossible to actually realistically maintain. It's fallacious. Yes, and then it's actually empirically false. We know, as far as we can know anything in the realm of physics and cosmology and cosmogony, that the universe did indeed begin to exist. And this is a problem for scientists as explained, or atheist scientists, because what that smacks of is theism. Theism, is it? Get ready. Theism. Belief in the existence of a god or gods. Specifically of a creator who intervenes in the universe. Yeah. Right, okay, so there it is. Thanks. Well, it explained. So, there we go. Just have to edify people. Okay, yeah. Right, so that's the thing. Educated. (laughs) Okay, okay. So... Premise one, everything that begins to exist has a cause. We have made that crystal clear. Premise two, the universe began to exist. We've made that empirically and philosophically true. And so it follows, Ed, that the universe has a cause. (laughs) Don't drop the mic. This thing was 20 whole pounds. (laughs) It was 20 solid gold pounds. great British pounds. (laughs) Of the finest sterling. Solid gold pounds. Yeah. Send them in. You've got got more than 20 pounds on your hands. Sterling it, silver. Uh, Yeah. um, Anyway, so the universe had a cause. So what we're going to talk about next week, the conclusion to this argument is what is that cause? What will best fit the parameters of being able to make a universe. So, there it is. That's the end of the episode. Hope you had a blast. It was a reasonable one. (laughs) I'd say. Yeah. And we'll see you next time. pretty well I think that's the that's another informed yeah, no, it was, little bit it wasn't bad I, you know I told Sam I'd be back at 10 past and crazy <laughs> half past ah he's get on oh man yeah, oh man did you see the news the economic news what are you talking about is it in the paper was it yeah, in the paper, did you see the news about uh, the guy who invented... Is this, is this important? Yeah, oh yeah, no, 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 take a few seconds of your time, a few okay, seconds of your time. Right, just, just be quick, yeah? It just, well, okay, right, what, you know the guy who invented the polo? Uh, yeah, sure, okay. Yeah, yeah that bloke, he, um, he was in the news, he, yeah, it's, he's made an incredible economic... Uh, Has he? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. He's doing right. Oh, he's made a mint. What do you mean, he's, he's, made, he's, he's rich, made, is he? He's, no, he's, he's made a mint, hasn't he? He's made... He, oh, a mint, because it's a polo... Because <laughs> yeah, it's a fresh breath mint. Yeah. Oh, sorry, mate. It's made of mint, mate. Like,